Hello, critics, non-critics, and friends. Welcome to the Film Optics Podcast, where we take a glance into blockbusters, indie films, and everything in between. I'm your host, Christian, and today I'm joined by two guests. We have Leo Rydell from the Geekly Goods YouTube channel and Mike Thomas from the Chatter After slash the uh, Amateur Otaku Podcast slash Collider. And today we're going to be beginning our journey across the four nations as we revisit, review, and break down the beloved Nickelodeon series, Avatar The Last Airbender, Book One, Water. And before we begin today's episode, you can listen to our podcast on podcast platforms around the internet. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And if you are a new or seasoned listener to the show, we would love to hear from you guys. Follow us on Instagram and follow us on Twitter at FilmOptics or email us at FilmOptics at gmail.com for any movie-related questions. Gentlemen, oh, gentlemen, how has your week been? I'm seeing Mike's over there. He's got the Mike of the Water Tribe logo just, you know, plastered on his name. Uh, Of course, we've all talked about which bender we've all wanted to be. But Mike, how's your weekend been treating you? Oh, yeah. Well, first off, thanks for having me back on, man. It's a blast and a pleasure to be able to talk about one of my favorite series. Uh, As far as my week, watching Avatar is a highlight. So it has been a blast revisiting book one. Uh, I think it's very underrated. So can't wait to talk about it. I agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Leo making his comeback onto, onto the podcast. How you been, man? Hey, I've been good. Thanks for having me back on, brother. Uh, great week. Great week so far. Yes, I would love to be a waterbender. Look, look. To be able to control the waves. No, it's not because I want to do butt bending. It's because I want to control the waves of the water. Like, it's cool, man. Like, look, look, you'll never have to go a hot summer day without having a swimming pool ever again. If you can water bend, bro, you can just make a pool in the backyard, bro. Like, you're good. But uh, it's been a good week, man. I actually completed this book about a week and a half ago. Like, I blew through this thing so quickly, and I'm like, all right, I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to talk, so I can't wait to talk about it. Um, we, I was saying this before we got on. Lots of implications and foreshadowing for book three, so really excited to dive into this and talk more about it. I feel like book one is kind of underrated just because you think about book two and how extensive that was and how great it is. I mean, book three, I think, is peak Avatar, in my opinion. And then you got those, uh, the second half of Legend of Korra just kind of buries this first season and it feels like it's gone underrated. I do agree that I really feel like this, this first season is underrated and we'll definitely get into it here in a bit, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. Cause I mean, just rewatching it, it's like, what is it? 20 episodes, I think for book one, it's either 18 or 20 episodes. And of course they're only what, like 22 to 24 minutes each. And you can easily blow through like five and it's, you know, minus that, that one, the great divide episode, which I, I still enjoy, but 
yeah, you definitely don't necessarily need to uh, watch it if you're going to be doing a rewatch. But I, I just did it for, you know, the, the kicks and all that. But definitely, I'm glad you guys have had a fantastic week. Uh, for all the listeners out there, uh, before we get into our review, just want to let you guys know how everything is going to um, kind of go down here. So, you know, we'll be going through our initial rewatch thoughts. Uh, this is completely spoiler free as well. Um, and of course, you know, we're going to stick to book one. We're going to try not to go off the topic book two or book three because we will have other episodes uh, covering those uh, respectively. So, like I said before, we'll get into our initial uh, rewatch thoughts and then kind of get into our favorite characters and episodes from book one and then our favorite bending and non-bending moments from book one as well. I kind of stole that page from the uh, Braving of the Elements, uh, the official Avatar podcast, of course, uh, that uh, that's up um, with, is it Janet Varney and uh, Dante Bosco, who both um, host that. Corin Zuko, baby. Yeah, Corin Zuko. So, you know, t- I took that page from them because I think it's a really fun question. And then, of course, uh, we will get into a bit of the, you know, book one avatar ranking. Um, and then we'll get into our final thoughts and kind of just close on out here. Uh, no ratings this time around because we've seen this a million times. And clearly, we're doing a three part series on this. And, you know, all the avatar news that has been coming out between just even the Netflix show, I'm interested to see. And then, of course, we're getting three uh, new animated series, um, supposedly or reportedly, uh, from Avatar Studios that's underneath Paramount Pictures. So very, very excited for that. So, um, gentlemen, right bef- before we begin the actual uh, review, I wanted to ask you guys, um, how were you introduced to the series overall? I know some people kind of get into the series a little bit later, um, especially for me, Spectacular Spider-Man. You know, I know it's always been there, but it's been on my backlog forever. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to Banger. ask you guys. Yeah. Oh, Absolute banger. <laughs> I am on like episode 16. I think... I think I'm at the start of season two when the new year starts yeah. after that, and that. I was uh, like, this, yep, this is yep. season two. That's, yeah, this man, is season it's two. 13 episodes. I don't know why they merged them like that, but yeah, it's 13 episode seasons. Yeah, Nickelodeon, I mean, not Nickelodeon. Sorry, Netflix does that with a few of their shows. I don't know why, but um, really quick uh, before we start the uh, official review, I wanted to ask you guys, um, we'll start with Leo, then go to Mike. Um, how were you introduced to Avatar The Last Airbender, Leo? Uh, so I, gosh, when did this series come out? Like, oh, three, oh, four. I think it was oh, five. Oh, five. Oh, five. Oh, five. That was a good year. That's 17 years ago now. Yeah, I was about 12 years old. Regular watcher of Nickelodeon and Disney Channel, Cartoon Network. Like, I was, honestly, I, when I was younger, I wanted to be a cartoonist. So I watched a lot of animated shows, tried to draw a lot of animated characters, And this show just kind of came out of nowhere. This show called Avatar The Last Airbender. And I remember being there when it first debuted on Nick and them advertising the new episodes with the little logo in the corner and really setting the stage for new episodes and further seasons. And I just remember watching that first episode and having such a blast as a kid. Like, honestly, I was Aang's age watching this. And I just recall how fun it was to see that first episode and how charming and whimsical it was and how like how much fun it was to watch as a kid it's such a different experience as an adult 
because you go back and you watch this, this first episode and I'm like, wow, Aang is really putting the moves on Katara. Like, I don't remember that, but like, it's just, it's like you're seeing it through a different lens at this point. But I just remember having a load of fun as a kid and just really tuning into it when it actually came out on Nickelodeon. And honestly, it was a nail biter having to wait every week for the new episodes because... I don't know if y'all recall this, but Toonami did it a lot. Like when they have to catch up, they will start over. So they'll start all the way over. And they went back over book one at least one time before getting on to book two. And it was like, like it's grueling, bro. Like when you got to wait and you get to the next episode, you like, I think it's a new one. I think it's a new one. And actually it's the very first episode all over again. You're just like, I was really hoping for <laughs> another episode, another new episode, but really like I was just really there at the beginning and have been an Avatar fan ever since. I mean, I've watched the series several more times. Uh, I won't say I've watched it all the way through episode by episode a lot, but I definitely skip around. I watch it all the time. Like my friends loved it. Uh, I Sorry, I'm going on a total tangent here. I was very excited for The Last Airbender. Very excited when it was first coming out. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan's movie. Ooh, and, uh, that's yeah, what a, what a <laughs> disappointment. Um, I spent $60, which is a lot for 18-year-old kid money. And uh, 60, 60 bucks on merch. Went there, had a shirt on, a necklace, a hat, had a keychain. Man, I went and returned that stuff right after the movie, y'all. Returned. <laughs> but but Avatar Last Air been a great series. I've been there since the start. Okay, yeah, that was uh man, it's it's pretty much the same for me, but I'll give my little feel after. But Mike, how are you introduced to the series? Very much like Leo, right? Like it's it's interesting to think about kids don't experience TV or media the same way we did. Like it was very much you turn on Nickelodeon and you just watch whatever was on. And so all of a sudden, boom, first episode of Avatar comes on after SpongeBob or Danny Phantom, whatever I was watching at the time. And it's just like, OK, I'm intrigued. And you just keep coming back week after week, watching every episode. And me being a huge fantasy guy probably started with Avatar The Last Airbender. And it's interesting because I was like eight years old when the show first aired and like leo said you had this gigantic gap in between seasons and so i never watched book three because at that point in time i think i i think i turned like 11 or 12 so i stopped watching nickelodeon it was playing a lot of video games and the show just never came back and i missed it so i didn't get back to it till i was like 16 years old like five six years later <laughs> and so it's that that's when Netflix had DVDs and they mailed like that was really frustrating having to watch them in like four episode chunks, mail the next DVD out, wait for the next one to come back in. But it was worth it because this series is phenomenal. And like Leo said, watching it as a kid, it's fun watching it as a teenager or an adult. You pick up on the nuances, you pick up on the character development and the and the changes throughout the story and how these characters are growing as the story progresses. And so it's just really captivating and powerful. And each time I rewatch it, I find something new in it. Even this last time, found some details that I never noticed before. And that's just how special this series is. It's honestly one of the best pieces of media ever created. 
I would agree with you, uh, full like one hundred percent there, Mike. Um, for me, for introduction, much like uh, Leo, I you know I I watched a lot of Nickelodeon, you know, Cartoon Network, Disney Channel, you know, all all that stuff. But Nickelodeon was probably my favorite network. Um, and I just remember, you know, them announcing this, like, oh, like, you know, this new show, Avatar Last Airbender is coming out. I was like, what is this? Like, I, I just didn't really know. But I, I think I agree with you, Mike, when it came to fantasy, because uh, as uh, for, for listeners who don't know, um, fantasy is like me and Mike's like bread and butter 100%. It is, it is so good. But I, I think my love for fantasy pretty much started around there at the same time when Harry Potter was coming out as well. So it, like it was a really great combination of the two. Um, but I, me and my sister would just watch it together and it just, it was just one of those shows that you could just get lost in. And like you said, you know, watching it as a kid or a teenager or, or an adult, Michael, it's very, it's, you know, you pick up on different things and it's, I don't know. Even watching like Teen Titans, like now, and it's like, oh man, there's so much stuff I missed when I was a kid. Because you know, when you're watching when you're a kid, you're kind of just turning off your brain. You know, like you're you're watching the show, but you're not like paying attention as much as you could be. And you know, during this rewatch, um, it, it's I I pretty much like I said, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but I did rewatch it. Uh, maybe a few years ago, um, I had the Blu-rays. I scooped those up as fast as I could. If you were able to, to buy the Blu-ray copy during uh, Prime Day, it was only like sixteen bucks. Like, heck, man, I almost bought yeah. it again because it was such a great deal. <laughs> I've bought this series way too many times. I will admit, I've got. I think I've paid for Avatar like three times. Yeah, I I want to buy the digital. It's it's just so. I mean. My my love for this and this truly is my my favorite TV show ever because of the journey and like it's able to tell this clear concise story within three seasons and then you know it's just so it's it's honest it's raw it's it's magical it's awe inspiring and just you know in so many studios have been trying to create it recreate that magic. That, you know, oh, you know, we need something like Avatar The Last Airbender for for years. It really was like a huge staple. But I don't think Nickelodeon at the time really knew how what um, what they had because, you know, the Internet wasn't really a thing back then. So, you know, for all the kids out there <laughs> who probably don't know what cable is, <laughs> it was, you know, weekly, you know, you had to wait week to week, week to week. And it, it's it's just been it. I, I don't think anything will ever top it. Uh, to be completely honest, I, I love this series so dearly. Um, but enough chatter chatter about the introduction here because I'll go on a tangent myself. Gentlemen, are you ready to head back and journey through book one for Avatar The Last Airbender? Heck yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back after this introduction to Avatar The Last Airbender, book one. Water. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. 
and although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and we are back with our Avatar The Last Airbender Book One Water Series Revisited with the creators Mike and Brian and starring so many crazy, talented voice actors. We have Dee Bradley Baker, Zach Tyler uh, Eason, Mae Whitman, and Dante Bosco himself. And if you don't know the story by now... I'm just going to read it to you anyway. This is just the the IMDb synopsis, I guess you could say. Or, you know, I can just play the intro <laughs> because that explains everything. <laughs> we have the intro memorized by heart anyway. <laughs> yes, we do. We do. But uh, for those who are new to the series, it is a war-torn world of elemental magic. A young boy reawakens to undertake a dangerous mystic quest to fulfill his destiny as the Avatar and bring balance to the world it says peace but i'm going to put balance because that's more accurate because balance peace peace is a little eh, you know th things happen crazy things still happen when the avatar is around I, I i have to admit but as we've mentioned before we will be getting into our breakdown here and then getting into our favorite episodes um and a character from book one or characters and then our favorite bending and non-bending moments from book one and then how does book one kind of fall into our avatar ranking then our final thoughts and then we will disperse from there um of course like i said before this is completely spoiler free you know i mean not spoiler free this is spoiler heavy because like i said before if you haven't watched it we're, we're just all gloves are off so i was gonna say spoiler free man i don't know if i yes, can sir. hold my tongue <laughs> <laughs> for, for the folks listening at home we're about 15 minutes or so into this recording if you guys somehow made it this far spoiler free just go watch the thing it's on netflix right now anyway you're good. Yeah, and it's on Paramount Plus as well. I think it will be leaving Netflix. Actually, I don't know if it will be uh, for the time being since they're doing the uh, live action remake. I don't know if it's going to be uh, still on there or not. But it's probably some contractual thing where it gets to stay yeah, on probably. there a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Very It'll probably be on there for a bit, like Cowboy Bebop with the live action. It'll probably be on there for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh boy. Oh. Let's hope for better than that, please. You had to make us depressed. Let's talk about Avatar now. Yeah, let's talk <laughs> about the thing that brings us joy to our lives. So um, we are now in our initial rewatch segment of the show. So um, we're going to have Mike start off, then Leo, then I'll go last. So, Mike, just give us your, your initial rewatch thoughts of book one and, you know, some of the things you picked up and just your your general overall experience. So this is probably like my fourth or fifth time watching this book all the way through, if I'm going to be honest. So I'll just give you my overall impressions on this story as a whole. What I love about book one, Water, is that it's basically setting up the world, right? Leo mentioned that earlier, that it's so many payoffs happen in books two and three from this season. And that's very intentional. Like a lot of people look at it and think that it's, oh, this is a lot of filler. It's a lot of villains of the week. Like we have the pirates and we have the, you know, the great divide. But all of that is still world building. And it's fleshing out what this universe is, what the Avatar's role in it is supposed to be. And so I think it's just really well executed. You have them traveling, literally traveling all the way to the other side of the world. 
And each stop, we're seeing new groups of people, new ways of living in this universe. Um, one of the the standouts, right, is like the the storm, where we see flashbacks for Zuko and Aang. So we get to see not only their origin stories, but also the crewmen on Zuko's ship or the old lady and the fisherman that Aang and his crew are dealing with in that episode. And it's just kind of helping flesh out everything. So I think that's really what this entire book was for while also sprinkling in elements, ha, not intentional, (laughs) sprinkling in elements of uh, really great character moments, right? Like Aang, Katara and Sokka meet in that pilot episode and you just see their relationship grow and grow to where they become like a real family unit by the time you get to the end of the season. And so I just think it's the perfect introduction to the Avatar world. Yeah, it's not probably nearly as heavy as something like book two, but you only get to book two because of book one. So that's why I think it's instrumental to the success of Avatar The Last Airbender. That is so well said, Mike. I think we could just end the podcast right now. <laughs> right, cut the mics, y'all. We good, we good. Mike got us. Water tribe. Water tribe. Water tribe. <laughs> Water tribe. Oh, man. This, uh, so many great memes from just, oh, my God, I, I love it. But, Leo, uh, what was your, I'll, I'll uh, pass it over to you here. Uh, what was your um, initial rewatch thoughts for book one? So I have actually done a better job at skipping book one. They're going back and rewatching it all. Dang it, Leo. <laughs> Look, man, I, it's not that I hate book one. It's like we were discussing earlier, though. I just dive deeper into like the deeper lore. So books two and three here, books three and four of Legend of Korra. But I kind of went back and, and forgot how much it sets up for later. So we meet, we are introduced to Boomy. Avatar Roku. A lot of Roku, by the way. The fact that Roku like appears in like the third episode, I was just like, oh my gosh, like there there are so many implications for what's further down the line in this series. We're introduced yeah. to Jet. We're introduced to well, we see Zuko use the blue spirit, and we see Aang uncover him, and we get this little foreshadowing moment of hey, maybe we can be friends later down the line. So there's all these moments that foreshadow the third book, which is kind of odd because you think it would be a lot of, of of things that foreshadow the second. And there's some, but like it really like we see Zhang Zhang. And I love that we stop. I love that we stop at fire first here. And it's like, OK, Aang's learning water. But I like that we stop at fire first and realize like that's got to be his final destination. And we set it up for when he has grown enough as a character to be able to handle that is when he will be able to take on the firebending more. So lots of really great setup, lots of great foreshadowing. I love that in this book, it seems like he relies on Roku for all the answers. And then as the series goes on, he's able to learn things on his own to where it was just kind of tapping Roku every now and then. Uh, but I like I, I really like this beginning of the story for Aang, Katara and um, Sokka. Yo, Sokka, really sexist at first. Holy crap. Uh, the Kyoshi Warriors really put him on the right path because our man was out here flexing muscles, talking about women can't be warriors and stuff. I forgot Sokka was that sexist, y'all. I'm like, wow, the, the tribe's customs were really coming out. 
So I, I really like that they they really bumped that character down to reality. And I think the Siege of the North, the two-part finale, that's some of the best Avatar period right there. Um, Commander Zhao, what a villain. Somebody who's so proud and just so, so above it all that he was willing to kill a spirit. Really good episode. Uh, I, I And visually stunning. I mean... For this to come out in 2005 and me to be like in awe of how beautifully animated the, the two-part ending was, man, that's saying something. But lots of setup here, great animation, really, like really, really good character introductions, which we always come back to, and just a great start to the journey. Yeah, again, you guys, you know, you hit it right there on, on the nail on the head there, Leo. Like when it... When it comes to book one, it is it's 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 the beginning of everything. Like it may not be like, you know, compared to everything else, it may not be, you know, the most like exciting like season um, of this uh, three season journey. But it's so necessary to set up this world. You know, nobody knows what an avatar is, at least in this universe. They have to explain everything. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry to cut in. But I love that the first episode is the boy in the iceberg and the last one is Avatar Aang. <laughs> like those two titles right there show his character development. Yeah. Not just it's, that. I love in the first episode, we pan in past the rock and Aang's not there. Yeah. And then once they knock him out the ice, Aang is now in the intro from there on out. So great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. See, I never even noticed that before. And I was like, my gosh, like it's, you know, like there's so many things on so many different rewatches. Um, but as far as my initial rewatch uh, thoughts go, you know, it's I don't I don't know. Like every time I just start this journey, like anytime I like rewatch a show, I have to start from episode one, like season one, episode one. I can't I, I can't skip. That's just me because I love seeing just the entire journey like over and over again. You know, now that um, it's more accessible, this the series is more accessible for people to watch, uh, whether it be through streaming or through physical media, I actually just popped in my physical media just cause heck, you know, like I bought them, I'm going to use them. Um, I tried doing through Paramount plus, but there was way too many, um, way too many, uh, commercials in between. And I didn't want to give Netflix a satisfaction cause I've been on Netflix way too much already, uh, with spectacular Spider-Man. But <laughs> I mean, in hindsight, I guess I could have just watched it on Netflix, but it's like, you know, I, I love just, popping at a disc and watching it that way you know just boom 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 i can go through all these episodes and but um for my initial rewatch thoughts i just everything that happens like you guys have pretty much kind of you know i, I can kind of echo what you guys are saying especially with Sokka. you know the fact that you know there's a nor the northern water tribe which looks like a water pokemon gen by the way like I was just watching it the other. I was like, man, it really just does look like a water type Pokemon gym. Like I was expecting like Misty or some other po Pokemon uh, water gym trainer just to <laughs> pop out of nowhere. Like, oh, welcome to my gym. And it's like I, I can just visually see that or it being a, a mere reflection of that. But um, especially the fact that, you know, there's these customs in the Northern Water Tribe where, you know, um, 
men are effectively the breadwinners and, you know, women are, you know, the ones who do have the ability to bend water, use their skills for healing. So it's kind of like, oh, the whole, you know, misogynistic thing of, oh, you know, women belong in the kitchen and all that, you know, garbage. But the fact that it reaches all the way down, even to the Southern water tribe, the same customs, which by the way, isn't really a tribe. It's more of just like, a colony. It's a couple point. of people, man. I counted, <laughs> I paused and counted how many people was standing there. And it was like 18 people. I was like, come on. The Northern Water Tribe ought to be ashamed of themselves shunning 25 people out of their tribe like that. That is shameful. But in the comics, they do start like building their own. And we know by Legend of Korra, the Southern Water Tribe is like very established. But like, still, come on, man. Come on, Grandmaster Paku, you couldn't send Grand Grand no nothing, man. No resources, bro. No, sir. Like, he broke, she broke up that engagement. She said, peace. <laughs> she was not having it. Grand Grand said, nope, I'm good. By the way, Katara challenging Grandmaster Paku. Oh, my God. That was so dope. That's what I love about this season, right? And it's something that a lot of animated shows kind of shy shy away from. Like, Sokka is very sexist at the beginning of this season. And it makes him basically an unlikable jerk. When he meets the Kyoshi Warriors and he, he has that turn, he kind of changes. Like, the first four episodes, he has this mini character arc. That doesn't happen. But I also love how... You then see why is that way by seeing everybody in the Northern tribe and seeing how Paku treats Katara. It's like, yeah, this is, this is the culture Sokka grew up in. That's why he is the way he is. And then it's up to Katara to change everybody in the finale. And it just, again, coming full circle, it's just great character progression and allowing our main cast to be imperfect. Like Sokka was never portrayed to be a villain. But it was showing, hey, he's got flaws he needs to work through. We're going to show him on that journey. However small or minuscule it might be, they were able to focus on Sokka, the one non-bender of the group, the probably the least important character in this first like seven episodes. He had a little arc, and then you get to see it progress as the story goes on. And meanwhile, like to go off of that, on the other end of the spectrum, you've got the most evil character in the franchise, Fire Lord Ozai who loves his daughter more than he loves his son. And it's crazy to think like, okay, the Fire Nation customs are maybe not quite as misogynist as the Water Tribe. Like, it's crazy to think that like the bad guys are a little more progressive in their combat. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, of that particular character who we don't get formally introduced to until next season, I love how Azula is seen in like episode 12 of the show and she's in every single intro and it's like that they thought ahead most shows don't think into the next season it's like azula's there smiling and it's terrifying once you know it's her it's uh, azula it was it's, it's yeah and i noticed i'm a rewatch i'm like oh yeah like there's this other girl that i'm like oh the first time ever watching it it's like you know it's probably just zuko's like sister or something i didn't really didn't really know who but by the very end you know like the last scene fire lord ozai who is voiced by mark hamill which blew my mind by the way when like i didn't know that until oh my gosh maybe like a few years earlier i was like and i just never really bothered to see i was like man like that's a really menacing voice i'm like 
Mark Hamill? Like, excuse me? That's crazy. But, you know, we, we see at the very end, the final scene where he's saying, you know, Zuko has failed me. He's like, you know, I need you to essentially clean up his mess. And, uh, my gosh, it's Azula with that that sinister smile. And her little bail. <laughs> that little bail that always dings. Those chimes haunt my dreams, man. <laughs> I know. I can't stand them little bells. I'd be like, oh, boy, Azula's here. Yeah, it's I mean, book one just does such a great job, just not even, you know, setting up for season two, season three. But, you know, being introduced to like Zhang Zhang or the pirates, especially the pirates who show up in multiple episodes later on, because when you're first watching, you're like, oh, this might just be some crazy, uh, some crazy, kooky, wild adventure with like some pirates. And it's like, no, like they actually, you know, like team up with um uh, Gen- uh, General Zhao and you know they're effectively trying to kill Zuko because you you get so much backstory like oh that's why Zuko's a jerk you know his father banished him for effectively speaking out of term during a war general meeting and seeing how ruthless ruthless the Fire Nation can be but also showing that there are people within the Fire Nation who are not like that. It's it's kind of like looking at uh, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, where they show, you know, the Separatist side with, I believe Padme had a best friend in one of the episodes and that, you know, there there's, obviously there's two sides to every story, but you have so many people within the Fire Nation who think that, you know, their their generals like their their war heroes are keeping them safe and you know trying to spread the love or the the attention of the world renowned of the fire nation across the land because hey they want to take over the world because this sozin's comet is coming and it's like oh what better time <laughs> to take over the four nations <laughs> than when sozin's comet uh is arriving so it's it really just sets up like oh that's why the fire nation's attacking because you know they they, they want to be the dominant na- uh the dominant nation and of course um, even speaking on like genocide with the air nomads and this episode within the first few episodes and it's very heavy for a kid's show, but it, it does such a phenomenal job of explaining what genocide is to children. Uh, much like how Teen Titans kind of, um, tackled the like race issue between, uh, I think it was, um, Starfire uh, and Cyborg. Starfire and Star, yeah, Cyborg. Mm-hmm. So, like these, I mean, you know, these these animated shows, or at least these, you know, old school animated shows. That it's just we rarely get anything like this. I I actually don't think we get anything like this anymore. Maybe Arcane comes close to it, but the fact that they're able to touch on genocide within Avatar uh, Book One is it's phenomenal that they're able to, you know kind of just convey that to kids in a in 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 a very sophisticated way and you may not realize it at first but as you get older it's like oh yeah that's genocide so it's yeah they do a really good job of dancing over it by just saying like oh they wiped out the air nomads like they do a a good job of not telling kids like hey they stormed into their into the the air temples and killed and really messed them up like they do a really good job of just like translating this language to be kid friendly Mm. but it does also like you said it does also teach kids like what genocide is what it looked like what 
war is. I mean, let's be 100% real. Like, I was watching that first episode and I realized, I'm like, wow, Aang doesn't know that all the people he's interacting with, their whole lives, probably including Grand Grand, a war has been going on. It's crazy, you know, looking at it from Aang's perspective, you know, he, he puts himself in this Avatar state because he doesn't want to be, be the Avatar. And I mean, rightfully so, you know, we kind of see the flashbacks during this, I think it was during the Storm episode, um, where, you know, all of his friends were kind of treating him a little bit differently. But then again, the Air Nomads did kind of tell him before the age of 16. But I guess, you know, again, war kind of just changes things. And... Aang and not wanting to become the Avatar and like you really had to punish perspective 100 years is a really long time. And it's like it's it comes it also probably comes as a culture shock to Aang as well when it comes to not obviously seeing what happens to uh, his people, but just how the world is overall. And, you know, a lot of people saying, oh, you know, the Avatar turned his back on the world. And it's it's kind of like this delayed meant to be like destiny that you know he was supposed to fulfill a hundred years later because we don't know what the world would have been like if Aang didn't run away from home there are some really good what if videos out there of like what if Aang did not run and it was like yeah you got to think about it like he probably would have had to face fire lord azulon who knows what could have happened with that like i mean it's like he said it's all for a reason and who knows he might have like died but trying to stop the war and it would have been up onto the next avatar which i guess would be not Korra if he died that that far ago so i it would have been katara (laughs) (laughs) yeah right (laughs) avatar katara that's that was such a weird ending on that video i was like oh i (laughs) avatar (laughs) Sokka. oh god no don't let Sokka. that'll go to his head I think that's the theme of the show, right? Like the entire point of the series is destiny. And can you control it? Can you overcome your own demons and change your destiny? And that's something that's set up a lot in the next season. But as far as this one, it really just speaks to Aang as a character, right? And I think that's why Aang is so interesting is because he's acting aloof. He's acting like, oh, I'm just a kid. I just want to have fun. But he's really trying to cope and he's still running away from his problems until we get to that storm episode like he he pulls out his map and he says we're gonna go to kiyoshi island we're gonna do blah 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 we're gonna do x y and z and it's like uh my guy we gotta get to the north pole <laughs> and it's like he's still kind of subconsciously delaying being the avatar and like you guys were talking about how they kind of shied away or like changed the language a little bit on what genocide is and they skirted around like the word genocide and death, but we see Monkeyatso's skeleton surrounded yeah. by Fire Nation armor. And that is one of the craziest images you will ever see in a kid's cartoon. And I still can't fathom that this aired right after SpongeBob SquarePants. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, next, that is next true. Next show, you see a skeleton laying laid out around some Fire Nation armor like, oh man. Are you feeling it now, Mr. Krabs? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, speaking of Clone Wars, Dave Filoni directed I think eight of these episodes in this season? He did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
I was I was very surprised, and I saw his name come up a few times. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Like again, I never really bothered to like kind of read the credits, especially you know when you're when you are a kid. It's like, oh, you know, episode's over. You know, like whatever, whatever. But you know, obviously, us being older now, we are able to appreciate just the other uh, uh, the the writers as well. It's just you know, like like you said, Mike, Ang is trying to delay his duties as being the avatar is like, Oh, you know, we're going from the South to the North pole. Like that's, they are literally traveling across the world. So of course it is going to take an entire season. And I love how it, it really shows like how big this world actually is. Everything that happens in between with every single episode, um, you know, how big this world is and, you know, all the, uh, the issues, the trials and tribulations that people go through and um it's it's crazy to think that you really had to put in perspective like man you know like the entire like the goal was already set during like the very beginning of the show and then the payoff with you know the the part two finale was just fantastic like um like leo said you know uh admiral zhao he's so arrogant that he would kill effectively is what is a god in this universe or spirit um you know but it's so insane to, you know you kind of get a little bit more backstory on admiral zhao as well with zhang zhang um you know with him you know how he is a firebender but he's very ruthless he has no self-control and how firebending seems awesome but it can it's the most dangerous element to uh bear because you have to be so careful with, you know, it can't hurt those around you, but it's all about self-control. But um, was there anything else you guys kind of wanted to mention before we head over to our next topic? Kind of just going over our favorite episodes and um, our favorite character from book one. There was something I had on the tip of my tongue here. Oh, Iroh, I guess we could talk about this a little bit more. In the of next course. Section, but, <laughs> yo, Uncle Iroh even gets like an arc and a change and... We see, like, through him helping Zuko throughout the beginning, like, in that first episode, he's kind of impatient. Like, Uncle Iroh's kind of, like, pressing on him a bit. And through their journey and growth, even he becomes the tea-sipping, loving Uncle Iroh that we love and know through this book. Mm, yeah, Uncle Iroh, he's the, the you know, the what the dragon of the West, you know, holding Ba Sing Se for what was it like a hundred something days or something like that? I think they said like 600 or so. So like he was there for years, <laughs> years. Yeah. It's, it's so crazy. And he's the only like general to eat ever like seeds a city. And it's like, wow, it, it is crazy. Like every single character, like you said, Mike, uh, even with Sokka, it's like they could have easily just made him like the butt of every joke and just moved on. But no, he actually gets his own character arc. For being like one of the like the main cast that doesn't have any bending. And I think that was a really nice touch and a very interesting angle that like, hey, you know, there's not everyone in this world is an earthbender, especially with um, I, I think it was in the uh, Great Divide episode. They're like, who here is an earthbender? And there's two twins. He's like, I'm an earthbender. And the other guy's like, I'm not. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> we don't really know the genetics or anything, but it's like, you know, there are just some people who um, do not have this ability. And, you know, everyone plays such a great part. So many amazing payoffs 
But uh, let's get into our favorite episodes and characters from book one. I know we've been gushing here for over like 45 minutes about just how fantastic book one is, but wanted to pass it over to Leo. Then we'll go to Mike. Um, if you had a favorite episode that stuck out to you this time around with your rewatch and your favorite character from book one. All right. So are we avoiding like main characters or it can be main characters. It could be side characters. It could be Momo. It can be Appa. It doesn't even. <laughs> um, well, my favorite episode by far of this season is the two part finale. Um, I think we see a lot of character arcs really come to fruition in that finale, including Zuko, who is somebody who throughout this arc refused to run away from a fight. But even when he defeated his enemy, and he, he still didn't want his enemy to die. So it was that little glimmer of seeing that he has good in him at the end because he even kidnapped Aang. But still, he's back and forth in his mind about it. It's like getting that glimpse of Zuko beginning to really come over to the good side was was really satisfying. Um, I I like so many characters here because they come back around. Jet. Jong Jong, Boomy, Roku. I mean, you've got all these characters that come right back around in the story in the best ways. Um, I really like that Jet episode because it really shows that and Zuko alone, I think, do such a great job of showing what this war has done to people. And I think it shows that you have you have a range of reactions to the war. You have people who have a sense of morality that won't allow them to go too far. But then you have people like Jet who are even willing to kill an old man just because he's from the Fire Nation. Um, It really shows the hatred that this war has caused, the tyranny that this war has caused. I love the Jet episode. Um, I like the Great Divide episode because I think that is another... (laughs) Another example of what the war has done. I mean, even scrapping over resources on a smaller scale. Like, honestly, it's hard to pick one episode because even the Zhang Zhang episode is so good because it shows that Aang is not ready for fire yet. Uh, Honestly, I I gotta say the two-part finale, though. I mean, that animation is so good. Uh, Getting to explore and dip a little deeper into the spirit world and into the spirits, getting to see Cole, the face stealer. It just really is ahead of his time. So ahead of his time. I mean, honestly, I like every episode just about, I, I even the ones that it's, feel it's a hard. Little, it's hard. Yeah. Even the ones that feel <laughs> little, a little fillery, like the, the water bending scroll one. And some of those, like the imprisoned, but even that has a payoff because that, um, introduces the pirates. So that yeah, was yeah. When so I was, all of them, yeah. but that's also when they become benders too, right? Like Katara's finally useful. <laughs> yeah, that's when Katara like finally starts ki- like killing it with the water bending, killing it. That's the moment where it's like, oh, thank God she's not Sakata. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's- well, that's a whole discussion for another day, my friend. I mean, Sakura <laughs> was just chilling during them tuning exams. Anyway, every episode, though, honestly, I don't really have a favorite. I like them all. It's very tough, but um, I'll pass it over here to Mike. Um, you know, it's okay. Instead of saying favorite episode, I guess I can rephrase it to an episode that stood out to you during this rewatch and your favorite character. So, Mike, take it away. Yeah. So, I'm with Leo. 
the winter solstice finale amazing it is just like peak avatar right there um but there's there's a lot of great moments right like imprisoned is a great katara episode the kiyoshi warriors kiyoshi island is a great Sokka episode um but i think the winter solstice uh two-parter when that's the call to action right that's when we first meet roku that's when he says hey you've got till summer's end to finish your mission I think that's when the series takes the ultimate shift because now Aang knows how serious it is and he knows that he has a timer. And I think that that timer helps push the story forward because like, okay, we got to move quickly. We can't lollygag anymore. It's great. It's a great episode for Zuko as well. Seeing like the lengths he will go to, to catch the avatar and defeat Zhao. And so I, I really love uh, the Winter Solstice, The Siege of the North, those are great episodes. And like Leo said, it's really hard to like narrow down which ones you like the best. But I think I think those are my my personal favorites. And as far as my favorite character, I would have to probably say Zuko. Um, because Zuko in this season is very understated, right? He's not even in, he's in like maybe 12 of the 20 episodes, I think, this season. Um, but I love how from the very beginning of the show, we're rooting for Zuko and it, it would have been very easy to put him in a corner and say, oh yeah, he's the villain. Cause he is, he's the first antagonist we're introduced to. But once we have that first Agni Kai again with him and Zhao, that wins us over. He and Uncle Iroh throughout everything they've done, like tormenting our main characters, there's still something about them that sticks out. And like Leo was saying, the groundwork was set, right? Of Aang saying, maybe one day we can be friends or uh, the fact that Zuko throughout everything was still willing to like reach out his hand and try and save Zhao. I think just shows Zuko's character, uh, shows the heart of his character, right? He's not all evil. He just has this one goal in mind or this one mission. He's going to do whatever it takes to succeed. And that even comes from the Blue Spirit episode, which is another banger, because seeing Zuko, again, go at length to capture the Avatar, even if it means double-crossing his own nation, it's amazing. Zuko, MVP of this season for me. I would agree. I, I For me, Zuko is my favorite character from book one. Um, as far as like, my favorite episode... I know it's it, it's hard to pick just one, but of course, you know, the Winter Solstice is definitely one of them. You guys already said the Siege of the North. Those are probably, you know, my, my two favorite, but also the Storm episode. I just love how th- that one really stuck out to me as well. I mean, they're, they're all great. It's just with, with the Storm episode, you really just get the understanding of, you know, why Zuko is just always so just pissed and just so miserable all the time he hasn't exactly had like the best life and arguably i think out of any like show or tv i mean not tv excuse me movie that i've ever watched he definitively has the best redemption story out of any villain or just out of any character I've, I've ever encountered in my entire life um of course you know we'll get to that one once book two and book three but just his journey all around just understanding why he is the way he is and i think mike actually tweeted um during the storm episode where um he has to duel his own father and i, I forgot what 
Firelight Ozai said, he said, you know, uh, something along the lines of pain or something will be your teacher. I, I've pain and suffering will be your teacher. Yeah. 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 I mean, let's be, let's call it how it is. Like viewing this as adults, I was like, wow, Fire Lord Ozai is incredibly abusive to Zuko. Like very, uh, very verbally abusive, physically abusive. I mean, it's on his face. Like he is incredibly abusive. Incredibly abusive. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, Christian. Oh no, I was. Just, I actually just found Mike's tweet. It was you'll uh, when uh, Firelight Ozai gives Zuko the scar on his face. He says you'll uh, you will fight uh, for your honor. You will learn respect, and suffering will be your teacher. And I'm like, even just reading it, it's like it just sends chills down your spine. Where it's just like you will learn respect, and suffering will be your teacher. But can we talk about the foreshadow again, though? Like, because that is what happens, right? Like, out of everything Zuko went through, it was his teacher. And that is just incredible. Um, And, like, everything you guys have been saying is totally correct. I just love Zuko so much. And in this season, especially, like, I love how you mentioned the Storm Christian, because that episode is 100% exposition. Like, that should not work that should be the worst episode of the season because we're literally sitting around a campfire telling origin stories but somehow they made it work and they made it one of the most compelling stories in the entire series yeah it it, it is so crazy it's i just love it so much you will learn respect i was like oh man this the way you will fight for your honor you will learn respect and suffering will be your teacher i'm like Oh, pulling out the the uh, the Fire Lord Ozai scriptures, y'all, <laughs> like 100%. But uh, let's move on here to um, kind of along the same lines, but not necessarily. Uh, this, again, as I mentioned before, I'm taking a page out of the Braving the Elements, uh, the official uh, Avatar um, podcast, where they literally break down each and every episode. They bring on some of the amazing voice actors uh, throughout the series. Um, I have been meaning to catch up on it. I've just been so busy doing a lot of other things, but um, I forgot what book they're on right now. I think there's on book two. I could be wrong. I can't remember. Um, I'm not sure. If, no. Sorry. It's book two. <laughs> it's book two. Okay. It is book two. Yeah. Um, but so we're going to go through our favorite bending and non-bending moments from book one. So we'll start with Mike, then we'll go to Leo and then I'll close ourselves out. So at first, uh, my favorite non-bending moment was just the blue spirit entirely. Um, but I feel like I've talked about Zuko enough to where we're going to skip to my second favorite non-bending moment, right? And that's Princess Yue giving up her life to save the world, essentially, bringing back the moon spirit. Like that is not a bending moment at all, but it, it is instrumental to this universe and it changed the world. And I love how they make sure we never forget that. So yeah, I just, I love Princess Yue so much in that moment. It is incredible. Yeah, Princess Yue, I mean, and uh, again, as you mentioned with uh, her being a part of Sokka's arc and effectively, you know, even though, you know, him Suki later on we'll get to that in our other recordings but you know this effectively being Sokka's first love at least that we've seen 
um, on screen and the the impact of you know their chemistry, you know they're vibing and kind of like they're both nervous, but they're not entirely sure if you know if if they should be doing this or not. But um, I'll pass it over to. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, what, what was your favorite uh, bending moment? <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you earthbending style. That <laughs> I is <said> earthbending style. <laughs> That will forever crack me up. That might be the best joke in the entire show. <laughs> but as far as my favorite bending moment, it kind of piggybacks right off of that, right? Aang, we set up in the first part of the finale. Aang is going into the spirit world. And he's like, well, who knows? Maybe they'll give me some uh, some crazy power to defeat the Fire Nation. And it's like, yeah, Aang's, Aang's 12. This is not a serious moment. But then his eyes glow. And then he just says, it's not over just shoots into the water and comes out as a kaiju fish. Crazy, crazy moment. And it feels like a deus ex machina, but it's just the manifestation of everything this season has been building up to. And you said at the top of the show, Christian, it's about bringing balance and Aang being that bridge between the physical world and the spiritual world. They merge together because Zhao is a threat, not just to the water tribe in the physical world, but now to the spirits as a whole. So Aang becoming giant kaiju koi fish to save the day is one of the craziest moments. It's the most anime ending you could put in Avatar The Last Airbender. And I love every second of it. It is so good. Definitely. All right, Leah, what about you? Your favorite bending and non-bending moment from book one? Uh, so my favorite character of the whole series is Avatar Aang. So it was definitely the episode, The Blue Spirit, when he uncovers that is Zuko and he says, hey, maybe in another lifetime we could have been friends. I thought that was like such a charming moment and such a such a defining moment for where both of their characters were at the time. And you just love the fact that he says that. And later on, they actually do work together. Love that moment. Um, absolutely one of my favorite like moments of the entire series, actually. Uh, and then bending moment. So there are a lot of moments where Angle's avatar state that I really enjoy. Um, of course, seeing Magyazo, that was like so emotional. Uh, I think my favorite bending moment, though... Maybe aside from Aang being uh, fused with the moon spirit is Katara versus Paku. I think that even though Katara knew that she wasn't going to beat Grandmaster Paku, just the implications of showing him that, yeah, women can fight. Women are warriors. And getting him and the rest of the men in that tribe to change their minds about their antiquitous ways, it has more meaning behind it. So I that that's probably my favorite bending moment. I also really like the moment where Aang is being naive with his fire bending and is twirling it around and against John John's wishes, playing with the fire, and of course he burns Katara. It's just such a good lesson in that even though he's the Avatar, he's still got to take it serious. And then when you see Avatar Roku come up and is like, hey man, you got to the end of the summer, my man, like buckle down. It really comes back around in the best of ways. I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, as far as for me, who man, I mean, of course, you know, the seeds of the north, you know, Avatar Aang just 
going, just just doing what avatars do, helping people. <laughs> um, I would probably say, oh my gosh, like it, there, there's so many amazing moments, but I guess for favorite bending would probably be um, when Zuko is facing Admiral Zhao in the Agni Kai and, you know, um, with um, Uncle Iroh kind of just constantly reminding Zuko to, you know, go back to the basics, you know, don't forget your basics. It's all about the breath of the fire. And Zuko could have easily ended him right then and there. And then, you know, he misses on purpose and he says, you know, get in my way again. And next time I won't miss. And it's, it's the, the tension between them because it, there, there's these big elephants in the room that they know about, but it's like they kind of dance around and it's like every single time that you're um, that they, you, you see them on screen. And it's just I really enjoyed that bending moment between them uh, just to choose something other because that and we be like, oh, yeah, you know, mine's the same as Mike. But I mean, there's so many phenomenal like bending moments in this entire in, in book one in general. And I think that Leo brought up a really good point between Master Paku and Katara, because then right then and there is what we can really see how waterbenders or just how bending works uh, between water. And then of course with Boomy, like we can really see like a experienced seasoned bender at their peak or, you know, around their peak and saying, hey, you know, this is what these, you know, these these superhumans, um, th these benders can do with, you know, the right tools and years of experience. Obviously, we see it through Avatar, you know, um, through Aang with his Avatar state. But that's more of, you know, channeling the experience of all the other Avatars together. But just having like a single like waterbender, just like this is, you know flexing completely and it's it's fantastic yeah we saw uh avatar roku pop up and destroy that temple and i was like whoa this is what firebending can do like yeah i mean he's lava bending right that's the first yeah. instance of lava bending in the universe and it's so interesting i'm glad you brought that up but also another underrated moment is in the fortune teller episode where ang is fighting a volcano and remember he can't firebend that's all airbending and he stopped a volcano it's insane airbending master yeah it is oh it th that was another great moment as well um for my non-bending moment it would probably just be the kiyoshi warriors i mean at least um they're attempting to you know drive back the fire nation as much as they can because you know it's all that they have but you know they they really just know how to handle themselves in those situations, they are trained to deal with benders, even though they are not benders themselves. I believe they're also part of the Earth Kingdom. They're in the Earth Kingdom, I think. Because yeah, yes, because yeah, part yeah. Of the Earth Kingdom. Uh, by the way, uh, Mike and Brian would love to see the Suki versus Azula battle uncut. <laughs> they just rush at each other, and it just freeze frames, and that's it. My gosh, yeah. Next time on Dragon Ball Z. Every time Dragon Ball Z came on, the name of the episode, that title did not happen until the following episode. You're like, oh, so it's not going to happen this week. It's like Goku versus Frieza. Yeah, that's not happening this week. This is like the Goku stuck powering up in the corner. Like, dude, 
I swear, Dragon Ball Z, man, they just be wasting time on stuff. You'd be like, come on, bro. Get to the battle. Frieza explaining his plan for 20 minutes. <laughs> Not the best storytelling in the world, but the action is fantastic. But um, really quick, let's get into our um, our final two points here. So um, for book one, since we've been gushing about it here for a little bit over an hour, um, where does this fall in your avatar ranking between all three seasons? We'll start with uh, Leo, then we'll go to Mike, and then I'll close out. You know what's crazy is this is actually, it falls the lowest on my ranking, even though it is still such a phenomenal season. Uh, for me, it's book three, three, two, one. They get better as they go along for me. And it's crazy to, to think that this is like the least favorite, but still so good. I mean, that just it goes to show how great of a show it is. But yeah, three, two, one for me. Okay. Mike, what about you? I'm with Leo in the sense that this is the lowest of all of the Avatar seasons. And again, like you just said, Christian, we spent the last hour gushing about how perfect this show and this season is for this to be at the bottom just speaks to how great avatar the last airbender is as a whole and it's not really a knock on this season um but also i think it's very clear why this is the weakest because it is missing um four characters that might be the best in the series to be continued tough baby yes sir the blind bandit will make her appearance in season two y'all let's go (laughs) 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 but yeah seriously i'm like uh it's it's fantastic For, for me um i think you guys pretty much echoed um but actually i i mean i love 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 book three but i think book two earth is there's just so it's 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 not even the climax is what kills me because book two is so amazing. And, you know, with with, with book one, you know, it, it is my lowest, but it's so um, I don't know, like like you, I think Mike had mentioned it before, you know, it, it's book one sets up so much stuff for book two. And it's like they, they thought ahead or it, it and it's like wow it's it's so insane but yeah it would be two three one but like honestly two and three are kind of tied for first place because it's like you know book three is fantastic i have no issues with book three whatsoever but it's like my favorite character gets introduced in book two and you know everything with bossing say of course i'm not going to get ahead of myself here we'll save that for the next episode but it is just fantastic fantastic stuff my favorite episode of the entire series is the firebending masters oh yeah yeah that's a good one for sure book two is perfect i'm just gonna leave that there it is (laughs) like uh, i can't wait for us to talk i can't wait to rewatch it i'm so excited but uh really quick let's get into our final thoughts about uh book one overall we'll go with mike then leo then i'll close out and then we'll get the heck on out of here Closing thoughts. Ooh, that's a tough one. Because Avatar The Last Airbender is a series that I will never stop talking about, never stop watching. So to try and put a bow on this conversation is impossible for me, but I'll do my best. Um, Book one is not without its faults. There's a couple episodes here and there, like Bacho of the Water Tribe, where it's like Aang is acting kind of out of character, uh, lying it's weird. But overall, the entire season, I think, comes together really nicely. Like you see, it's very lighthearted 
in the pilot and then you just see the stakes get higher and higher and more intense as this season goes along and i think introducing a villain like zhao as a foil for both ang and zuko really sets up our two main characters perfectly going up into the next book and um can we just talk about that finale where zuko finally tells us about azula like she was born lucky he was lucky to be born that like again zuko is a great character but that line right there just cements why you're invested in his arc going into book two so i think book one again a lot of setup but a lot of great individual moments within it alone it's not just purely set up and it's a very satisfying story all on its own well said well well said so leo uh, what are your closing thoughts it's closing time, boys. Turn all the lights on. Uh, so, love this season. Love how much it sets up for the rest of the series. I mean, it's, again, we all said it. it's our least favorite season, but it's crazy how even though it is our least favorite, it's still a fantastic season. And, yeah, it leaves us with that nugget to open up so much more when it's like, oh, okay, yeah, like, Zhao is gone and you know Zuko might be on a is on a better path now and and then you get Azula and you realize oh yeah that's right the Fire Nation is still a threat just because Zhao's gone doesn't mean we can celebrate too long uh they really don't hold back with that one either I mean just dropping her right in and, and it's like all right well since Zhao's gone guess what you got a bigger threat now um just really love what this sets up and how all these characters end up making their way back into the series eventually. Just a very good book all around. Um, I just, I was looking at the episode list and I'm like, there's not one episode that I was just like, oh man, snooze fest. Like, nope, I enjoyed it all beginning to end. Yeah, it's one of those things where people trash the Great Divide so much. And I think it gets a lot of hate simply because it's the worst episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. But it's still an episode of Avatar The Last Airbender, so it's still a banger. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Redemption. <laughs> Redemption. So great. <laughs> um, for, for my uh, closing thoughts, you know, it's, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, book one being like, I guess if you are, are to rank them, but it's like book one is so necessary and we still love it all the same because book one is world building. Through and through, like we could not enjoy season two or season three without the introduction of these characters and just the world building and understanding how this this universe works um, all together. And, you know, like I mean, obviously you could tell someone, oh, you know, like book two and book three are fantastic. And then, you know, they oh, go and immediately watch it. They're not going to know any of these characters they're not going to know about, you know, Sozin's comet hitting by summer's ends. And it's so crazy. Everything just happens between these three seasons, but especially with book one, there's it's so necessary to get the, you know, hit the ground running. And it's it, there's a clear goal between each season. Um, well, there's an overarching goal between, you know, the entire um, series, which is defeating the fire Lord to, you know, bring balance to the world. That doesn't necessarily mean that the world is saved, but it will be left in a better state than what it was before. And then, you know, the world can begin to heal um, um, of, of itself. And yeah, so it, it's, it's very just, much fellowship, right? 
Yeah, yeah, literally. I mean, it's it's a clear goal, you know, and it being a children's show, it, it really it it needed that to have like a clear goal for kids to understand, like you know, why Aang and you know the rest of the cast are going through all of these you know story arcs and what have you. It's you know, it's all to defeat the big bad, and that's really it's a very linear story. But there's so many detours that are like really necessary, like. I don't think there's a single, I mean, you know, we talked about the great divide, but I don't think there's a single episode that you could just skip over. Cause it's like, it all just adds up and has amazing payoff, um, you know, in later seasons. So it, it's just been, it's been, it's been a wild ride and I'm, I'm very excited to, to, you know, go through book two. We're, we're there. We're almost here. It's, 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 it's almost time. I'm very, very excited. But that pretty much concludes our series revisited of Avatar The Last Airbender, book one, Water. I wanted to thank Mike and Leo for both coming onto the podcast. You know, all three of us are crazy, crazy Avatar fans. And, you know, we're going to be um, covering book two and book three for you guys um, down the line. So definitely keep a lookout for those. Um, might get into Legend of Korra. I'm, I'm sensing that. I'm not entirely sure, but I'm, I'm down if, if these two cool cats are but um i'm going to pass it over to leo and then to mike so they can let everyone know where the, um, you can find them on the internet so leo where can everyone find your work guys come on over to youtube and if you're on youtube go ahead and hit that search bar geekly goods guys geekly goods and once you search that you'll see two g's that's my logo come on over to the channel let's talk some geek guys go ahead and hit that subscribe button and if you're on social media you can find me at Leo Wydell GG on all platforms. Thanks for having me on, Christian. Of course, of course, man. It's always you know we're 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 in the Avatar verse. It, it's it, it's back, baby. We're we're getting some Avatar Studio goodness. So, Mister Michael Thomas, where can everyone find you on the internet? Yeah, you guys can find me at Novicinophile just about everywhere on YouTube, on Twitter, on TikTok, on Instagram at the Novicinophile. And yeah, just check out the YouTube channel because there's a lot of Avatar content there and it's going to continue to be uploaded there because it's basically turning into an Avatar channel at this point because I'm that big of a fanboy. So make sure you check that out. Also, uh, The Chatter After is our podcast where we talk everything, movies, TV, uh, we might end up hitting Avatar on that show one day if I can convince Brandon and Isaac to rewatch it. And, of course, the Amateur Otaku Podcast, where we're talking anime. We've got some My Hero Academia OVAs coming up. So, filler time, baby. <laughs> and thanks again, Christian, for having me on. It's always a blast. Of course, man. You know, it's, it's always great having you guys on the show. You know, we always have some fantastic conversations. And I was just so juiced up from all this you know, this reported Avatar, you know, uh, studios, movie, like animated movie stuff between, what was it? Zuko, uh, Kyoshi, I mean, not Kyoshi, um, Zuko, Kyoshi, Korra. Yeah. Kyoshi. Wow. I'm, I'm blanking here. And then, um, Korra as well. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be a blast, but of course you can find, um, our podcast. If you've liked what you've heard here today, of course, um, at film optics, that is optics with the next, um, again, definitely go check out uh, Leo and Mike's work um, on their respective uh, outlets. You know, they do 
fantastic work. You know, they're, they're working around the clock, uh, much like we are. And, you know, just we're just talking about the thing that really just keeps us going through the week. Not only just Avatar, but just, you know, these, these stories that movies and TV um, shows are able to um, bring to our lives. And, you know, it's it's always, you know, what what are we watching this week? What's coming up the week after that? You know, it's such such a fun conversation starter for like families and friends and whatnot. But if you've liked what you heard here on today's episode, you can subscribe to our podcast. Again, that's film optics, uh, optics with an X on podcast platforms of your choice and make sure to share an episode of our podcast uh, with a friend, whether it be your mother, your brother, your lover, whoever it may be, make sure to share an episode of the film optics podcast with the movie lover in need and with that said we hope you guys have an amazing day and we'll see you guys later on and that's a wrap for today thank you all for listening and if you enjoy the show leave us a five-star rating review on apple Podcasts and spotify and follow us on twitter or instagram to stay in the know that was leo mike my name is christian we'll see you guys in the next one